Hey, what's going on, good people? Welcome back to the Black Codes. I am your co-host, Donald, here with the elegant and ingenious Savannah Bryant. Hi. And so we're here back to talk about some more political philosophy and history. <laughs> oh my God, what was that? <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> and so we look at parties, and there are a variety of parties for a variety of different things. <laughs> the word party is a little bit more diverse than I thought it was, mm-hmm. because, you know, on one hand, it just means, like, get together. But in that realm of what it means to get together, you have, like, groups of people who are parties. And one such thing is a wedding party. Mm-hmm. And I hope that the um, my friend whose wedding I'm going to refer to listens to this because <laughs> she will know and some of our friends who were there will know. And I just thought this was a funny thing. And so I was showing Savannah a clip from a wedding and um, said person to come up on Facebook. And <laughs> I have a question for you listeners. If you were at a wedding and someone decided to dance with your partner, and then they were maybe twice the age of your partner, and inebriated, and they started kind of freak Nancy dancing with your partner, and your partner looked uncomfortable, and your partner did not have the gusto, or the they were shocked in the moment to like just pull away, what would you do? Would you A, sit there and continue to watch? Would you B, go in there and violently break it up? Would you see, go and ask another friend for advice about what to do? Or D, just peacefully go and break it up? What would you do, Savannah? Um, so I have a few notes. One, like uh, the whole like protect black women, like it should encompass all forms of protecting them. Like clearly the girl, like from the video, when I say she was given the driest two-step, she was just trying to be nice and didn't know how to walk away. If that shit would have been me, I wouldn't even have got up. But we're not talking about me. I have had to step in for, you know, some of my women friends that men were all up in their face trying to dance on them, trying to talk to them, and they felt uncomfortable. And so they continued to engage with that person because they didn't know how to say, get the fuck out of my face. So then me being the kind of person I am would be like, yo, get the fuck out of her face. She is not interested. Oh, but she's talking because she don't, she don't know how to tell you no. Go away. She doesn't care. She's uninterested. And as soon as I would put my body in between them, they would walk away immediately. Look, she's gone. She doesn't want to talk to you. Go away now. Fly away. So I would be the one that probably would have advised her against dancing with him to begin with. But then if she went, and if they were just doing a cute little two-step, it was a Sean Paul song, word, you know, I fuck with Sean Paul, I be liking to dance. (laughs) Once you start trying to fucking grind and thrust your pelvis on me, no. Now I want to kick you. But (laughs) yeah, so don't watch someone suffer and die on the dance floor. And please, if this is your partner, don't pick Absolutely. letter C. Don't pick letter C. Because letter C was what I watched happen. And he went and asked somebody else for advice. Well, said person later told me that she was asked for advice. And then went to go rescue his fiance. His partner. Yeah, don't, don't let that be you. And if you are actually the person watching this, well... Don't do that again. Don't do that again. <laughs> Hate me later. And so, you know, that's just one essence of parties, Mm -hmm. uh, wedding parties at a party. Mm -hmm. But in this world and in this nation, 
we also have political parties. Yeah. And when you get groups of people, there are things that happen because people are just full of events and surprises. And so there's history that goes down. When you think about your friendships and your relationships, what makes them stand or what makes them relevant and memorable is not only just the chemistry that's there, it's the history that's there, the ups mm-hmm. and downs, the twists and turns, and the things that you've experienced as friends. Yeah. And we're here to share with you some of that. Yeah. So I think just to start, I this whole like civics course thing that we're doing is super important because I know a lot of people don't really understand how the government actually works in terms of voting. What are we actually voting for? What positions can we vote for? Who are these people? What is, I don't even know what Democrat and Republican means. I just know I'm a Democrat, right? Like we hear, and or on the other side of Republican, like that is a real thing that people are disaligned. And there is real danger in being married to a political party that you really don't know anything about. There is danger in being married to a candidate that you don't really know what their platform is. And, And the same way in regular everyday life, going super hard for something that you don't really know anything about is a problem. Major cringe. (laughs) I hate when people do that. Just, you read maybe a headline of an article, maybe you read the the intro of the article and you think, oh, now I know everything that this is about. Now I'm an expert and I can go and I can go educate other people. Don't do that. Please don't do that. Like in school when they say, research you need multiple sources is because one source could be wrong so even if you actually read one article you still might not know shit about what you actually just read because it could be coming from a bias standpoint and yeah there's just harm and just being married to shit without really knowing what it is we could read 20 to 40 articles about any of these topics we talk about and i'm like wow this is amazing nor do I not feel like an expert at this. Yeah. I'm hardly willing to consider myself an expert in my actual practice. <laughs> and I have a master's degree in it. And, well, I would probably call myself an expert. But mm-hmm. there's still this level of I know people who are, like, expert experts. Mm-hmm. And this is what I do. Yeah. And we, and me and Savannah, we're nice people. But we also have a nice little asshole streak in us. <laughs> and we thoroughly enjoy calling people on these things. We do. And we have... A history in our friendship in our party of doing so many times and calling people and pulling their cards <laughs> when they claim to know things with such certainty in their heart that they don't yeah and it's always been for the betterment of the other person yes they always even, walked out as better people on the other side even if they were pissed yeah even if in the moment it was a bit aggressive we were only thinking about you <laughs> we had your best interest at heart y'all. we're only trying to make you a better human <laughs> promise (laughs) yeah but so there's (laughs) promise donald and i just have a history of sometimes just not being shit when we get together and so that's what we're laughing about we have reformed for the most part we're not so dickish anymore but we still feel the same way (laughs) (laughs) we definitely still feel the exact same way yeah this Um, has gotten in the way of even my romantic life at points (laughs) 
And so because we care about you guys, we don't want you to be one of those people that are just like aligning yourself with some shit that you don't know anything about. Don't be right and then not know why you're right. Yeah. I also dislike that. I, do, I will like not agree with people that I actually agree with if I don't like their reasoning or if they don't seem to actually have a reason. It's more so like they don't have a reason. Mm -hmm. They just happen to be right. They're mm -hmm. like, I'm just like, they you just happen to agree to with them. me, but like they don't have a foundation to it. I'm like, yeah. No, I need to argue with you. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, today, most black people vote blue. You know, most black people are Democrats, um, like without even a question. And a lot of times when we see black people running as Republicans, we're quick to call them Uncle Toms and they're out of line. You're not black. We don't fuck with you. And you know, while the Republican Party has definitely had their history of not being shit, so have the Republic so has the Democrats, the Republicans, third parties, like everyone has a history of really doing black people dirty and maybe doing some things that help them <laughs> along the way as well. Um, but yeah, so I just kind of I think it's important that we really break down the parties and a little bit of history about who the Republican and Democrats actually are in their relationship with black people in this country. Let's so, dive in. So the current the 2020 Democratic platform that, you know, Biden and the Democratic Party is running on, they it's like um, what what number is the letter I A B? Eight, nine. Nine. Okay, so they have nine. <laughs> I have to look at it. They have nine topics that they are kind of focused on: protecting America, recovering from like COVID, building a better economy, healthcare, criminal justice reform, um, environmental justice, strengthening democracy, coming up with a 21st century immigration system, providing world class education in every zip code, and renewing American leadership. It's a lot and of topics. It is a lot of topics. Um, the current Republican platform, which I think is really funny. So their platform is uh, America first. It's Donald Trump's 2016 platform. According to him, everything went well. He achieved all of his goals. Everything went great. It went so great, they're going to keep the same exact platform for the second term, which doesn't actually sound like it went that great if you like hit all these markers why are they why is it the same thing aren't you supposed to like evolve exactly um so his current platform has six points restoring american dream rebirth of constitutional government america's natural resources government reform great american families education and criminal justice and america resurgent that platform sounds dangerous that shit sounds like the nazi platform it does like it's there's a just lot something that's so America, nationalist America, America, about America, that America. that's really off-putting yeah um makes me feel uncomfortable so i want to get out of there like restoring the old america just yeah i don't know draining all our natural resources yeah resurgent yeah it's like uh, it's uncomfortable, um, but the one point, Great American Families Education and Criminal Justice, they that kind of- go really well. <laughs> they wrap up everything, like all the things that we actually care about into just one section, whereas the Democrats broke it down. And there could be an argument as to like, well, 
the Democrats, it seems more liberal because they made a point to really line out each of these things where the Republican Party clumped them all together. Um, but those kind of optics are, are important. They do sway things, you know? You have a six-point platform, and five of the things include America, like using the word America and not using, not talking about the citizens and not talking about the part of America you're trying to actually work on. So the the current party platform isn't great, but in general, um, in terms of rights, they tend to, the platforms themselves have a history of tending to be very similar, you know? It's just very nuanced, very minute things that, that are big for sure, and we'll get into that with a little bit of the history of the Democratic Party, but a lot of the times, maybe not on a grand presidential scale, but on the local level, the, the platforms are very similar to each other, and it's just we gang up, you know, we get in clicks just as humans do. You mentioned the party shit, and so people align with certain parties, and this is actually the founding fathers, like one of their biggest fears. They didn't believe in a two-party system. Especially George Washington. He was very, very anti this two-party system. Yeah, kind of for this exact reason. Um, but, you know, nature runs its course and two parties do kind of appear, the Federalists and the Democratic Republicans. The Federalists are more, it's Anthony Hamilton and his gang, and the Democratic Republicans is Thomas Jefferson and his gang. I've never seen Hamilton, but I will say, Alexander Hamilton seems like a great time. Old boy was spicy. He was with all the shits. He wrote about 20, no less than 25 articles, specifically about Thomas Jefferson. He really did not fuck with that dude at all. He leaked Jefferson's affair with Sally Hemings, who was um, a black woman that was enslaved, who was actually Thomas Jefferson's wife, Martha. It was her, technically her half-sister. That's low. Yeah. But Alexander Hamilton, like, leaks this to the press. And to be fair, he also leaks his own affair to the press. So, <laughs> you know, he was just kind of out here. Sounds um, like this, people might hate this comment, and it's definitely a comment that just popped in my head. But he sounds like a more competent version of the petty type of president that we have right now. Yeah, for sure. Like, Alexander Hamilton was a competent man in, in ways that our current is not. But those type of acts are definitely some Trump type of petty yeah, shit. Yeah, just being petty. Yo, don't don't let the fucking internet fool you. Like, the internet came around. That is not the beginning of like spice and drama and tabloids and gossip. Like, people have been spicy spreading gossip as as long as humans have gathered together in communities. Like, there has been some spice happening. So just because the shit was in printed form, <laughs> they were still like scathing exposés that were happening. And, you know, the War of 1812 happens, and that's a fight with Britain again. They, again. There's basically, like, a stalemate. Um, the U.K. looks at the War of 1812 as an extension of the Napoleon Wars that were happening in France and in Canada and all that shit, and the U.S. looks at, at it as its own thing. They're like, don't disrespect us. Y'all were trying to get your shit back. You lost twice. Fuck out of here. 
But after this war ends, um, the Federalist Party basically dies out. And there's this unity within the government. And there's basically a one-party system. And this era is actually known as the era of good feeling because there's American unity in the government. And we're just trying to come together to move forward. And over the next, it, it only lasts about 10 years. It doesn't last very long. If you have one party, there's going to be a spectrum of ideas and philosophies and ways that they think that the country should be governed. And this is a time where the, the American government, the, the country of America, is expanding westward. So trying to decide, what do we do with these new territories? That's one of the biggest visions for the Democratic Republican Party, because there's a group of people known as the Fire Eaters. Ooh. Yes. Um, that basically walk out of a convention because they want the new states, the new territories to be pro-slavery, whether the residents vote on it or not. And, you know, the the leaders of the party are basically like, well, no. Like if <laughs> that's same, Russia. Yeah. <laughs> so they walk out. And you see in, the, in these situations, things like that is what ends up leading to the Civil War. So there's a little things about slavery, this idea of limited government. This is what starts to create this vision between the Democratic-Republican Party, and it ends up separating by the middle of the 1800s into two independent parties. And, you know, here we are today. Like, there have been several third parties that have come and gone. None of them, unfortunately, has gained enough traction to be, I don't want to say to be taken seriously, because there are serious third parties. For the parties, media to take them seriously. But the media doesn't take them seriously. The two major parties don't take them seriously. So then the general consensus for the people is to not take them seriously, unfortunately. Yeah, I think um, from my own life experience to date, other people might feel different. I find much more third party action on college campuses Oh, because yeah. there's this rebelliousness of youth to like buck against those two. Mm -hmm. So I met a lot. I met way more libertarians when I was in college and people who were like Green Party in college than I have being outside of college. Yeah. Especially as I'm getting around older people. Yeah. And I think like you go to school and, you know, like this is kind of what this whole how this whole podcast came about. There's so much that we're not taught in our history classes. They don't spend a whole lot of time talking about third parties. So for, for us to even like really learn about what they are, we kind of grow up thinking that there are only two parties and that's it. And all these third party people are just like these crazy nut jobs that are trying to like cause a stir, you know, like they shouldn't be taken seriously. We kind of laugh them away almost. And so once you get into college, and you have more conversations with different types of people, you're learning more shit, you have access to different types of courses, there are different people coming to college campuses that aren't necessarily coming to your high school to talk, to learn more of information about, and so then you're like, oh, this aligns way more with how I feel the government should be ran than this party over here. I didn't know I had this other option, and now that I do, I fuck with this. It does to me, slightly present this notion about why more people should get higher ed or that secondary ed should be taught a little more thoroughly, but more so like why well, there should be more higher ed because of maturity in the sense that there's just so much more you have access to learn in college yeah. than you do in high school. Like Unless you go to a really good high school, 
between the social part of being 16, 17 years old, uh, the hormonal part of being 16, 17 years old, <laughs> there's just a different emphasis that comes with learning at 20 and 22 that's not the same, and then you're able to actually understand more, and it's like, America, maybe, there's an argument to be put there, that mm-hmm. if we all learned about more stuff and had the opportunity to just go to college, maybe our country could be smarter. Yeah, and I also think there's a difference in the way that some of this stuff is taught. Like, when you're thinking about junior high and high school, I had pretty good teachers. Um, you know, in hindsight, I know now that a lot of y'all niggas were racist. Fuck you. <laughs> There's my third fuck you for today. First one for this episode, though. And that hurts because I really fucked with most of my teachers, especially my history teachers. But as I got older, learning more about their families, spending more time around their families, something happened very recently that I will talk about at another point um, with some of our teachers just... I think there's a lot of teachers that really do love their job and they're really passionate about education, but there are some people I think that are teachers and it's just for a job. Or maybe it started out being really passionate and then over the years they slowly got defeated. Or through teaching the same material year after year, it's like redundant to them and they don't care, so they don't put a lot of effort and energy into ensuring that the students aren't just prepared to take a test. Like they're really retaining this information to understand whatever is being taught. Versus in college, whether it's a liberal arts class or it's your major, I think for the most part, the professors are very ingrained in the coursework. They're very, like this is something that they've spent, you know, their life studying. So they're invested in it. And so it ends up getting presented in a way that's like almost more exciting. Yeah, and especially if you go to a tier one kind of research school, you might even have professors who wrote the damn textbooks. Yeah. Uh, or they might have their own published books that are a part of your reading. So mm-hmm. that energy and enthusiasm is a little different. But that also depends on, you know, people wanting to go to liberal arts school. Like, yeah. I get the argument against liberal arts education. Like, yo, I just wanted to be an accountant. So I just <laughs> want to get my accountant education in two yeah. years and be out. I'm one of those annoying people like, oh, this liberal arts thing is kind of cool. Like, I got to take all these different classes yeah. about things that I did not know about mm-hmm. and would not have known about. And it does set you up to like go and learn more. This is definitely a side tangent about education, but <laughs> I agree with you. I think that had I not gone to a liberal arts school, you know, I, I applied to colleges uh, pre-dental because I wanted to be an orthodontist. And I then, didn't know that. Yeah. And then along the way, I was kind of like, I'm not doing that shit. Like, I am actually not that interested. And I switched to psychology. Was in, I was, so I did my freshman year as a psychology major. And that's where that one fucking C came from. (sighs) I don't want to talk about it. I thought Savannah had like a 3.9 for our entire college career. And I was disappointed when I found out it was only for one semester. Well, it was a varying of like 3.6s and 3.8s, and then one semester I got like a 3.4. Like I was on the dean's list all every semester except for one, um, but I got a C, and that like fucked my whole shit up. But it was for a, a psychology course that I didn't need the credit, I didn't need the course, but the professor had like passed away the semester before, so they wouldn't repeal it, even though, I mean, you know, like, RIP, don't speak ill of the dead. He was a dickhead, <laughs> honestly. Um, 
But this is not what that's about. And the education thing, yes, I agree with you. I think liberal arts schools, I, that's how I found philosophy because I took a random course and I'm like, yo, this is my shit. I've been thinking these thoughts all this time. I just, I didn't know there was like a real study for it. And I did. And then you ended up enjoying it. I did. So Savannah wins again. Anyway. (laughs) So the Democrat and Republican party split off in the mid 1800s. And like I said, kind of at the top, they both done fuck shit. So the Republicans who, yes, it's it's Lincoln's party. He is the one that um, abolished slavery. He dies. The Civil War ends. Reconstruction happens. And there is a toss-up for the presidency. So the, like, 80, 86 election, I suppose, because you get inaugurated in the odd year. Um you're looking lost yes it's i mean this is an even year where their election is you get inaugurated the next year carry on uh, <laughs> rutherford hayes is the democrat is the re- the republican candidate and him and you know the dude that he's versing i think his last name is tilden was actually a democratic re- he was a democratic um governor from new york what happens is the tie is super close and it comes down to three states south carolina is one of them and they basically say we will give you our electoral colleges if you remove these fucking troops and 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 the entire part of reconstruction get these troops out of here let us vote these niggers back out not even vote them out of office remove them and oust them from office and we're going to get rid of these republicans that support them yeah and it's really interesting because rutherford hayes this is literally from the university of virginia's website the 19th president began to heal the nation after the ravages of the civil war He was well-suited to the task, having earned a steadfast reputation for integrity throughout his career as a soldier and a statesman. Upstanding, moral, and honest, Hayes was elected after the most lengthy, bitterly disputed, and corrupt presidential election in history. I find all of that ironic because Hayes was at the same time saying, I want to support the black uh, people in the South. I want this country to be unified, and I want to support their rights. Um, but the Democrats are basically like, well, the Democrats from these three states are basically like, well, we will ensure you become the presidency, but you have to roll back all of this shit. And, you know, we'll, we'll make sure they're safe. <laughs> we'll handle it from here. Don't worry. <laughs> Trust us. Remember, we got our slave patrol police, <laughs> you know, they're still around. And, uh, he, d- that's what happens. He becomes the president. The troops are removed and, uh, we move into the the issue with the Democrats, like the Solid South arises. Um, what is the Solid South? The Solid South is almost 100 years of the Democratic Party having a hold on the, 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 the South, the Southern states, all of the government officials. And the Democratic Party that we know today wasn't the same then. And we'll get into that. But it's just important to know that, like, we got sold out, guys, <laughs> by a Republican president. Maybe that wasn't his intention, but that is what happened. And if I recall correctly, there was like a recount. There yeah. was an issue with the actual vote. Mm-hmm. And part I, of him making this deal was kind of like, all right, we're going to let this slide. Yeah, because he technically, the Tilden technically won the like popular vote. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was kind of up in the air. It was super close. Yeah. Um, 
And don't worry, Republicans, I didn't forget about the Democrats, they've sold us out as well. <laughs> uh, one thing that I found really interesting was kind of during the like the civil rights era, when, they're when they start to repeal these Jim Crow laws from the South, the Democrats do. There is all of this kind of force behind fixing the South, but complete just ignorance or just not focusing on the northern cities and what's happening in these places. We talked about in one of the policing episodes this migration that happened to black southerners from the south into these northern cities. Mm -hmm. So when these kind of Jim Crow laws get repealed and there's more protections for blacks in the south, they don't get translated to the north in these northern cities. So then these black people that kind of leave from the south to go to these northern cities thinking they're going to be free, they're going to have access to so much, which they definitely have access to more, they still aren't safe. They still have issues with the police. They still have issues with the white people in their cities. Redlining is a huge thing that happens. And the Democrats don't ever really talk about that shit. It's Jim Crow, Jim Crow, South, South, South. That's the issue. That's the problem. But there was shit happening in the North, too. That mm -hmm. was a major issue for black people. Yeah, and it was definitely more on the lines of access to being able to, like, thoroughly being American yeah. versus, you know, in the South, there was the ever constant threat of violence mm -hmm. um, and straight, you know, um, you know, pos borderline enslavement in the North. It was definitely this very oppressive sense of you're second class, like yeah. you're bugs. Yeah. Yeah. You might not be enslaved and you may have access to, I guess, a bit more in terms of employment, but don't get it twisted. We're still not the same. Yeah. Like, don't let that get lost on y'all. We're still not the same, and we're not gonna, we're not going to treat you the same, unfortunately. One thing to note, um, you had mentioned about, you know, during the civil rights era, there have been multiple civil rights acts and eras in the United oh, States yeah. history. The one in the 1964-1965 was the very popular one, but there are multiple, and just thought that um, that should be made clear when we talk about eras and even just civil rights. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're right. Thank you for that. Um, yeah, so we get sold out by both of them. We get targeted by both of them. The Republicans with the war on drug was a targeted effort for the black community. The drugs that there needed to be a war on weren't really even that deep in the black community until this war on drugs comes about. And now all of a sudden, crack is a huge issue. And we, you know, we have to go in with militarized weapons, you know, the police do, to break down the doors and pull everyone out and because we're fighting in a war. But that was a targeted effort because they weren't going into the suburbs or to the white areas of the city where they're blowing down coke all the time. Like, that got lost on them. They weren't focused on that at all. There was a targeted effort to go after black people and minorities in certain cities. You have the stop and frisk that we talked about. This was a, a, a like a concentrated, a targeted, planned out attack mm. towards black people and minorities. And, you know, as we turn into the 90s mm -hmm. and when you think about now that president has been established and so. The Democrats, you know, are set to run against, um, I forget who Bill Clinton ran against. I was too young. Democrat was, uh, Bill Clinton was the Democrat. Yeah, but no, he to get into power. 
Oh. That was after George Washington, George Bush's first, mm-hmm. the, the older George Bush when right. he was done. And, or is that who he ran against? No, because George Bush, the dad, served two terms as okay. well, I'm pretty sure. So, at any rate, part of Bill Clinton coming to power, um, one of the things that Americans really cared about was crime. And they went on the uh, part of being tough on crime. And so you get this 1994 crime bill that comes out um, as a part of you know the Democratic platform in being tougher on crime, which really did a number for black people in regards to incarcerations, um, length of time that people were spending in prison, and you know how law enforcement kind of moved through our communities in a way that you know people black people love to praise Bill Clinton because. He because of a scandal. And no, I think it was scandal. more for the scandal. And which, you know, that's a whole other thing. Like, it's why are you praising is. this man for that? <laughs> but nonetheless, black people love Bill Clinton. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this 94 crime bill was definitely to our detriment. Oh, for in those sure. Communities. For sure. So I do want to say George, the George H.W., but the dad actually only served one term. That's what I thought. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this targeted effort happens with Democrats as well. Like that crime bill, they are going after specific people. This is where we get the famous super predator quote from Hillary Clinton. Like the super predator that they were talking about were black men, thugs, gangsters, you know, like that was us. That was something that they specifically decide it was kind of like just doubling down on the war on drugs like we're already dealing with that like that's already an issue and now it's you have to come back even harder we talk about the whole felon three strike thing like if you have three strikes and you could potentially serve a life sentence that comes out of this bill and felonies are given out for all types of things should you serve a life sentence for having maybe like a pound of weed on you absolutely not why is that a felony? But this isn't, this is not a conversation about those, like the class of drugs and those type of laws. But it's just important to know that we have been targeted, we have been sold out, we have been uncared for by both parties. And when and, people talk about right now, yeah, with like Joe Biden, I mean, he was a part of that. He was, he was a very big part of that. Um, so, and again, I know, Biden, not the best choice. I know, I'm right there with you, I get it. But we cannot let this man, we cannot let Trump have another term, guys. I mean, we just, we can't. The best that we can hope for is Kamala Harris really steps up to the plate. She has seen her wrongdoings and wants to change. And her and Joe Biden have a really good fucking cabinet and people vote in more more people in Congress that actually care about the people, so then some real change in effort can happen. And so in the next presidential cycle, maybe we can get a real person that we are comfortable with supporting proudly. Yeah, and one thing, I actually had a conversation with uh, a few people I know, and one thing, that, you know, for people who are very much on the blue side, to take note, even if you're not, like, in love with Joe Biden, is that all the other people that you like are still relevant. So the the Elizabeth Warren, Mm -hmm. the Bernie Sanders, AOCs, like, they're still there. It's not like these people fell off the face of the earth. They are still going to influence a lot of policy. Um, And that was something that, you know, 
I have some people that I work with who are like super Democrats, mm-hmm. like 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 with a capital S, <laughs> and uh, that was something that was brought to me, and they were like, "So, like, what do your friends think about all of this in, in these different candidates? Because they're like twice my age, and so you know they kind of want the gist." And it was generally this idea that most people don't want to vote for them, at least the people that I'm around. They don't really want to vote for Joe Biden, but they also know that the people that are a little bit more well-rounded realized that just Donald Trump's just actually just really bad for the country. Yeah. Um, some of the other people sometimes get caught up on the fact of this crime bill or the Kamala Harris background. Mm-hmm. It's like much more begrudging. Other people are more begrudging in the sense of why couldn't we get a more progressive person? Yeah. Like, you know, someone who's actually smart like Elizabeth Warren. Yeah. And I feel you. And I hope that in four, I hope this is the last election that's like this. I hope this is the last time I know you just gave me the hardest eye roll. That's me being so positive and optimistic. And and that's not even my bag. I don't even live in that world, but it's just so bad right now. Like, where else can we go? (laughs) We're at the bottom. There's nowhere else to look but up. And I I truly do hope we're never put in a position where, not that we're going to agree with both candidates so that it becomes hard to choose, but it shouldn't be this hard to get people on board. And as bad as Joe Biden is, Trump is still worse. Like, he's still bad. He's not a good president. So, yes, I'm with you. I don't fuck with that shit either. He has explaining to do. And if he wins, hopefully he does. He has a lot of reparations in some capacity that he, you know, needs to provide for people because now he's the president. Hey, your boy Trump just rolled out that platinum bill, Yo. that platinum plan for black Americans. Yo, don't the get Republicans are trying to come. And, and the fact that he called it the platinum plan. The platinum plan. plan. That, this made me think of like one of those like prepaid like credit yes. co- debit cards. Yes, exactly. The <laughs> fucking like, rush card. The fucking rush card. Yo, Y'all literally just thinking of that. Here, Trump. Get, I can't. <laughs> I cannot. <laughs> the platinum plan, y'all. <laughs> They be playing with us. Like, look at that. Like, that is a, they are they are playing with us. Do not get caught in that. I know some of y'all motherfucking greatness are gonna get caught and lost in that shit. Don't get caught in it. All right. Don't be that dumb. Um. But yeah. So for all the bad shit that they've done, they've also have. Um, I don't want to say assisted on our journey to equality because it shouldn't even be a journey in the first fucking place. Like we should just is. be equal. But here we are. Um, there's this group of radical, they're called the radical Republicans and they kind of really start to take shape in 1854. There's people that kind of are aligned with them, but the term itself, it kind of like gains popularity in 1854. And it's essentially this group of, um, men, politicians that have a goal of immediate, complete, permanent eradication, eradication. Whoa, I don't know how this word was written. Yeah, it's missing a letter and it fucked me up. Um, Just the complete elimination of slavery. The permanent eradication (laughs) of slavery without compromise. Yeah, without compromise. Like there's no half and half. There's no meeting in the middle. It needs to end. It needs to be out of here immediately. There were a lot of them that believe that slavery should end. And even within the radical Republicans, there's a spectrum of the in terms of equality and like the rights of blacks and i mean for the most part the radical republicans they want the same political rights as blacks as for blacks as whites have they 
view them as people. They should be able to serve in Congress. They should be able to serve their constituents, their community, their people. This is one country and we're serving all these people. How can we only govern all these different groups of people? And by we, I still mean men, because women weren't involved or included or a thought in this shit. And I want to shout out Thaddeus Stevens of Pennsylvania. Yo, I sent kids to his school when I worked in social work. Yeah, we had an elementary school named after him as well. I didn't understand. Old boy was really riding for the blacks. Like, um, him and Charles Summer of Massachusetts were against Andrew Johnson, who was really a shit president. Uh, You can Google him. And they wanted to unify the seceded states. And they wanted to ensure all the rights of the newly freed black people. Um, So they tried. uh, Shit happens, but they did try. Uh, And then you also have the Democrats, right, that... So we have Truman in the 40s, who's from Missouri, which is a slave state, sees how black vets are treated after the war. Um, War, war, (laughs) World War II happens in the 40s, and and World War I, right? So, So black people can serve in the military. They've been able to serve in the military since the since the Revolutionary War. But their treatment has always been really shady. And after the Civil War, it kind of changes because now they're not, we're not enslaved, so we're supposed to be equal citizens, right? And Truman, realizing that troops are coming home, black troops that had just fought in a war for this country are coming home, and they're being really mistreated. Even with all his racism and growing up in Missouri, he doesn't agree with that at all. He thinks it's actually really fucked up. And he kind of steps out on the line and establishes a pre- the President's Committee on Civil Rights. I did a shout out last week, I think it was last week, for Alice Dunnigan, who was like one of the first, she was the first black woman reporter in the Congress, so in the House of Representatives in the Senate press galleries, and was also the first black woman to become Uh, She worked in the White House as a correspondent. She goes on Truman's uh, campaign trail with him. Mm. And then we have JFK and we have LBJ, Lyndon B. Johnson, who kind of roll out and sign the civil rights movements. And again, to what I said earlier about them doing all these protections for the South and not necessarily the, the North, this is kind of what I'm talking about. But they do step out on the line signing these bills, and they do it knowing Lyndon B. Johnson in particular, who is a Southern Democrat, he does this knowing we're probably going to lose the the Southern vote forever. And that is where you see this switch happen. Mm-hmm. It's during Truman, JFK, LBJ, these Democratic Republicans that start signing the civil rights, and then the Republican Party kind of sweeps in. And start to ride for these people that have issues with the racial equality. And that's when that flip happens. Yeah. And so there's a, a big change. And so when you know you hear people talk about, well, the Republican Party was the one that helped all the mm-hmm. black pe- all of you out. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, there was these different things between, you know, civil rights bills, even the New Deal that started to spur a lot of these changes into where the parties look much more like what they do now due to like what well, was really a big flip-flop in yeah. people's priorities in 
you know, the Democrats really getting into doing work, uh, some workers' rights, and then getting into actual, you know, letting more people vote, giving black people the ability to vote, yeah. doing more women's rights, and, and really kind of what starts to happen over the last 50 years is the Republicans, their party kind of gets more niche, mm-hmm. and then the Democratic Party becomes a bit more of a catch-all, yeah. trying to bring in, like, let's do more LGBTQ, let's do, you know, immigrants in this uh, platform that becomes, like, everybody that's not them, like, we want. Yeah. Which kind of speaks to the weird part of America, because if the Republican audience is a bit more niche um you know a bit more on the conservative end of how to you know do constitutional government um looking at you know how they view families it tends to be very much more religious uh as well and even geographical south midwest and the more the democratic platform tends to encompass a a wide variety of types of people you get you know religious people you get atheists, mm-hmm. Islamic people. You get, you know, all of these immigrants who tend to probably go that way. And it does make you wonder if it takes that many different types of people to make up the other half of the political United States party and that the Republican part is a bit more niche, but it still makes up half. Like, that's a big percentage <laughs> of Americans who, like, feel a particular type of way, who who largely... I find, you know, Republicans a bit more aligned about certain things in that Democratic people tend to be much more in a a disarray about what they view. There's just less less, less uniformity of views. Yeah, and I but I think that's because the Democratic Party became this kind of catch-all. And if third parties and other parties were respected more, you probably would see a lot of people leaving the Democratic Party because... It's kind of like, well, we're clearly not Republicans, but we want to be taken seriously as politicians, so we're just going to align ourselves with the Republican Party. Even Trump, you know, very early on says, yo, if I was ever to run for a president, I would run under the Republican ticket, not because he ever was like, that was actually shade, because basically saying I could get them niggas to vote for me. That was 2003. Yeah. Like, I know that I could get them to vote for me. And when they were doing the impeachment process in the House of Representatives, and they're kind of spanning like on everyone the republican the republicans was like mostly probably like 98 percent old white men whereas you look over at the the democratic party the democratic side and there's a lot of white men still but there's women there are people of color there are people of different religious backgrounds and that is a real reflection of what america looks like there's no reason why there should be however many republican representatives there currently are why like 98 percent of them should be 68 year old white men that just shouldn't be what's happening and i don't know if that's because that's just how they vote in politics on that in, in their area, or if that's actually a representation of the views of that party. Yeah. Because if that is, again, it's just a significant group of people who are more aligned about something. Yeah. Which I'm still trying to figure out how I feel about that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think because it the, the Republicans themselves are just so similar, they are going to agree on a lot more. And if they don't agree outwardly they're gonna just ride for their party 
versus I think you see a lot of Democrats, especially younger ones like AOC that are saying, you know, I am on this Democratic ticket. I represent the Democratic Party. And a part of that is calling shit out when it doesn't make sense. There's Checking a lot of Democrats. shit when you don't like it. There's a lot of Democrats who are Democrats because they're just not going to be Republicans. Yeah. Versus and Republicans can be Republicans because they're fucking Republicans. Yeah. We're, they're Republicans because they want to be Republicans. A lot of Democrats tend to be Democrats because they just don't want to be Republicans. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was saying about, like, the third party shit. But just in terms of this in-house fighting or you you saying that, like, the Republicans tend to be way more aligned, well, they all look the same. So then when you have the Democratic Party being more of a catch-all – there are going to be varying opinions. And in terms of moving forward, because they do also tend to be progressive, there's like, well, how do we take this Democratic Party to the next level? We can't continue how it's been, and we're not going to revert back. And we don't want to look like the Republican Party anymore. Look at them. We don't want to be that. That's not representative of America. This We should always be looking for growth and to move forward. And so I think in any time you try to develop shit, it's going to be hard at the beginning. And so there's there's a lot of maybe not everyone's on the same page in the Democratic Party. Um, but, you know, I think that that's okay. I think calling out your party when they do some fuck shit is what you should be able to do. We as citizens should be able to do it. Our representatives and our senators should be able to do it as well. So I don't, the infighting isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's just when the infighting turns into a situation like fucking Clinton and Sanders, right? Mm. That's when it gets a bit tricky. And then the Republicans love that shit. Because even though they didn't fuck with Trump, once he won, they all changed their Yo, their 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 narrative and was riding. I did not hear any mainstream Republican politicians slamming him as much as they did before he became their candidate. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, there are Republicans like stepping out and saying, "Fuck him. We're voting for Bi- we're voting voting for Biden. He is not representative of the party." But I think that He's also tends to be like younger Republicans. Like, there's not a lot of. The majority of the 68, 70-year-old Republican Party aren't the ones coming out and saying, no, we're not, we're not here for this yeah, man. Because if you're 25 years old, yeah, you might you know, grow up in southern Georgia and you have these conservative or you know, traditional views, but you still care about America. And if your yeah. platform's America first and you're looking at you have to live for another 50, 60, 70 years, you're 25 and you're like, yo, this guy is running this shit into the ground. You're yeah. not going to be happy with that. And yeah. at that age, you might be willing to compromise. It's like, yeah, yeah I mean, yeah, I, I want to stay on my ticket, but, like, this guy is a prick. Because the issue isn't just Trump and his, like, inability to, like, he doesn't know what he's doing. He's He is inciting, like, really detrimental, damaging. He's damaging the country. Damaging things. And if we let, if he ends up with a second term... I have no doubt that he will try to implement a third and really try to fuck shit up. And we just, I don't even want to see if that could potentially happen. I like don't even want that to become like a thought that I have to give real energy to, or it's something that I have to genuinely be frightful for. Like, please don't do that to me. <laughs> People, please don't. So we wanted to give you a little bit of view about these parties and, um, it's particularly just to some certain aspects of them and how it relates to black people. 
Uh, there's a lot more you can, you know, learn more about these parties and their histories. Uh, so you're highly encouraged to do so. Mm-hmm. There are some, you know, other different ways that people classify things. Progressive versus traditional, liberal versus conservative. And those are nuanced. So I don't Sorry, want guys. you... I don't want you to necessarily walk away assuming that just because someone's progressive means that they're a Democrat. Um, There are different ways that people define these different things, and there are definitely more worldviews about how to do things. Because, again, you don't box 330 million people into just two boxes. You can't. And I guess because we're wrapping up, I just I want to bring this home again. The importance of not being married to a party, and I know it kind of just seemed like we just shit, we just shat on the Republican Party, but that is at a larger level. Like, you know, the current mayor of my hometown, Newcastle, Pennsylvania, is a black man that ran on the Republican ticket, but the Democratic mayors in that city had done a really shitty job at being mayor of Newcastle. They'd done a really shitty job of, you know, really trying to move the city forward and this republican candidate is actually a lot more progressive and he's trying to do a lot of shit so don't just see red or see blue and click that like really look into who you're voting for and we're really focused on the presidency right now because it's a presidential election year and it's so important trump is a fucking disaster and he needs to be removed immediately but it's still important to vote for your state and for your local government positions that are open. And if someone is running on a different party platform, it's still worth looking up what their platform is. You very well can find a progressive Republican for who's sure. running for some state rep or for some you know mayoral or city council position mm-hmm. who, at the end of the day, if they're a good if there if there's someone who has your towns or cities or states best interest at hand or policies and their things that they're going to push will be more of a reflection of what they view as best versus just some personal convictions because you'll yeah. find certain politicians they have a lot of uh, personal convictions that they bring to the table more strongly than they should yeah but for sure that doesn't necessarily mean that all of them will do that <laughs> so just some things to think about and look into. Um, we are going to go party over some food. Hell yeah. I'm and, st- my, um, my stomach right now is like touching my spinal cord. I'm so fucking hungry. You should probably see a doctor about that. <laughs> no, I like just am a generally a once a day eater. Um, I couldn't imagine such a And life. I had what, like four pieces of sushi last night? Like that was it. We didn't eat. Did we eat again? No. No. We had alcohol. That was our dinner. Damn, Which, that was uh, 16 hours ago. Yeah, so we, we, we're going to get out of here and get some sustenance. So hopefully you got some mental sustenance just now and you got some good things to roll with and learn. Again, make sure you like, subscribe, share the Black Codes, leave a comment on our Instagram. You can not follow us on Twitter because we don't use it, but you can find <laughs> us on Facebook, The Black Codes Podcast. Send us an email, theblackcodespodcast at gmail.com. Uh, tell us about things that you would like us to learn more about. Um, thoughts about this episode because, you know, things are narrated. And so we narrated this a certain type of way. But if you thought it should have been narrated another way, you drop us a line. We'll read it. But thank you for listening. Make sure you share this 
seriously. <laughs> give us five stars. And we'll catch you next time here on The Black Codes. Bye.